Well, today I want to continue really what I've been talking about for several weeks. Uh, I want to read one verse of Scripture to start. I've got a lot of Scripture today I'm going to read to you, and so we'll put them on the screen, and I want you to follow along because it's important that you hear what the Word of God says, not just my opinion about something that we're trying to state. And so again, I'm still... Uh, I'm actually still in the series on believe, belong, behave, but as part of that, I'm dealing with the, the righteousness of God, and uh, the title that I've given today's message is Righteousness from God, and Philippians 3, beginning uh, verse 9, tells you how I'm coming up with this topic or this subject. It says that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, after we receive Christ, be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Now, everybody listen carefully to how I say this. There are different types of righteousness in the minds of everybody on planet earth. People want to talk about righteousness. Everybody has an opinion. We live in a world of opinions today. Everybody has an opinion. But the righteousness that I'm trying to talk about is this verse. He says, and be found in him not having my own righteousness. So you can have your own righteousness, which is what most people think they have, or, or you can have that righteousness which comes through faith in Christ, which is the righteousness that comes from God. So I want to be clear about this. Today I'm talking about the righteousness that comes from God. Look at me. I'm not talking about your righteousness. Your righteousness may be different than God's righteousness. What you think righteousness is may be different than God's righteousness. I don't want your righteousness or my righteousness. I want the righteousness that comes from God. And that's what I'm trying to talk about. You know, last week... I used an illustration. I want to kind of open with this today. But in the Old Covenant, during the Old Testament, a Hebrew would go to the temple and they would offer a sacrifice at the temple for their sin. They would offer a bull, an ox, a lamb, a turtle dove, whatever clean animal that they could offer, and when they would go to the temple once a year, they would go to the temple, offer that one sacrifice on the altar, and they would walk away from the temple with a clear conscience for one year that their sins for the whole year had been covered and taken care of because of the sacrifice of an animal. Think about that for just a moment. In the Old Testament, that's how it was. Once a year, you'd go in and offer sacrifice, and you could leave with a clear conscience. But we, us, 
who are in the new covenant under a new testament, better principles, better promises. The sacrifice that was offered for our sins was a lamb. Matter of fact, it was the Lamb of God known as Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ came and offered himself as the sacrifice for sin once and for all. Not just once a year. We had the best sacrifice that ever was. But we can't get out of the parking lot on a Sunday morning before we're saying in our conscience, you know, I should pray more. You know, I should read my Bible more. You know, I should give more. You know, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And we live in guilt and condemnation, beating ourselves up because we don't understand righteousness that comes from God. And we're under a better covenant. So that's what I'm really trying to teach today. So please get this. Please hear what I'm trying to say when I talk about the righteousness from God. Not your righteousness. Righteousness from God. Listen to me. The only possibility of my conscience coming to rest is because of what Christ has done for me. I'm not righteous because of my righteousness. I am righteous because of his righteousness. If under the Old Testament, a bull could give you a year with a clear conscience, you and I should live with a clear conscience because it wasn't the bull's blood that was sacrificed for us. It was the blood of the Son of God. His blood cleansed us from all unrighteousness. It's powerful stuff. That's what I'm talking about. Now, let me read this one more time here in Philippians 3, verse 9. I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness. Say this with me. I don't need my righteousness. I may be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. See, all of our, all of our righteousness has rules. It has laws. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So I'm saying to you, I'm not saved today because of my righteousness. I'm saved because I have the righteousness of God. The righteousness which is from God by faith. Listen to me. It's not about what you have done. It's about what has been done to you and for you and what Jesus has done to you is put you in a position where you now have the righteousness that comes from God and it's now His righteousness that is a part of your life. Now get this. 
Jesus comes to the very end of his earthly life. He comes to the end of life. He is crucified. Whose sins did he take to the cross with him? Ours. Not his, ours. He wasn't just crucified for me. He was crucified as me. Stuart Farley has been crucified with Christ. Then he rises from the dead. He is risen. We celebrate that Easter. We've done this year in and year out. And he gives me something because of his death and resurrection. He gives me something called God's righteousness. Hear me. The New Covenant, the New Testament, this is going to shock some of you, but it's true. I can prove it. The New Covenant is not really between you and God. It's between Jesus and God the Father. Jesus just invites us in as our elder brother and part of the family into his covenant with God. He is the sole provider of that covenant. That's how it come. The Son, Jesus, fulfills the covenant with the Father. Then the Father, or then Jesus, comes to us, finds us, and looks at us, and he says, I love you. I love you just the way you are. I love you as a sinner. I love you. I love you while you're still in your sins. And he comes to us and he loves us and he says, I want to take you somewhere that you need to go. So where does he take us? You know where he takes us? He takes us to the Father. Nobody, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father, Jesus said, but by me. He comes and loves us we receive Christ as our Savior, and when Christ comes in, He now takes us to God the Father, to His heavenly Father, and when He takes us there, watch what happens. Let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 18. Now watch this. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. Catch this. The law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, everybody look. On one hand, this thing's weak and unprofitable. On the other hand, that's what he's getting ready to tell us. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Now I want you to notice here in these verses, he's saying the old covenant, the law was weak and it was unprofitable. Another word could be useless. And notice what it said there in verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect. Y'all got to help me here for a minute. You got to have ears to hear what I'm saying. Do you know the reason Christians today in the new covenant say that they're still sinners? 
There's Christians all over the planet who say, I'm not a Christian, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm still a sinner. Well, if you're still a sinner, then you're not saved. Because you're not saved because of your behavior. You're saved because you have become a, a participant in the righteousness of God that is a gift from God to you. Look, the law made nothing perfect. Hear me. If I don't understand God's righteousness, then we're always trying to understand, if it's not God's righteousness, then we're trying to understand what do I need to do to get closer or nearer to God. I see Christians all the time. How do I get closer? How do I get nearer to God? If I read the Bible more, I could be nearer to God. If I prayed more, I could be nearer to God. If I went to church more, I could be nearer to God. If I gave more money, I could be nearer to God. None of those things make you nearer to God. Let me be clear. Let me be straight and tell you what you need to do to be nearer to God. You ready for this? It's really hard. You gotta believe. That's it. How do I get near to God? I gotta believe that what Jesus did took care and he took me to God the Father and I'm as close to him as I can get. Well, I don't feel I'm close. So what's that got to do with where you are? Well, what am I believing? You're believing what Christ has done for you. You accepted Christ. Christ imparted to you his righteousness and he says, I love you. I want to take you to the Father so I want you to come with me and we go to the Father. Again, verse 18, he said this law, this older commandment, the Old Testament was weak and unprofitable. How was it weak and unprofitable? Listen to me. The weakness and the unprofitableness of the law was that it cannot bring me to the place where God wants me to be. Well, I hope y'all can handle this. Do you, can I tell you, do you know where God really wants you to be? Perfection. Pastor Farley, I can't be perfect. You're saying he wants us to be perfect? You mean he wants us? Yeah, that's what he wants. It's called perfection. What do you mean? Well, perfection of our love, perfection of our conscience. What are you talking about? So that I can learn to rest in him. He said, be perfect as I am perfect. Well, how am I going to be perfect as he's perfect? I'm going to have to start believing what he did was enough. I'm going to have to quit believing that I got to keep doing my part. I don't do my part to belong. Because I belong, I love doing what I can do for God. Are you getting this? So, I've got to learn to rest in him. Now, I'm going to read you in the next couple of minutes, in the next few minutes, I want to read you enough scripture that you can get what I'm saying 
and I want you to hear what the scripture says. If you don't believe me, will you please believe the word of God? Here in Colossians chapter 2, Colossians 2, I'm going to begin reading here at verse 8. Now watch this. This is a lot of scripture, but just follow me. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. Look at me. If you are in Christ, if you have received Christ as your personal Savior and you have been born from above, then if you're born from above, you believe on Jesus, then you belong to him and you belong to God. As you belong to God, you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Now watch this, verse 11. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Watch this. Just reading you the Bible. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead, and you, say that's me, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of flesh, he made us, made alive together with him, having forgiven, what's that next word? Having forgiven all, look at me, past, present, and future. Well now, Petrofather, are you saying if I sin tomorrow? I don't have to ask for forgiveness. Not if I believe I'm already forgiven. See, and here's where everybody jumps into being really carnal. Yeah, but you know, that just gives people a license to sin. No, some of us don't want to sin. Some of us ain't trying to see how much we can get away with and still be a Christian. Why? Because we know who we are. I belong to God. I have the privilege to live life with God as a part of my life. I belong to him. He belongs to me. We can do life together. Help me, Lord. Oh, where'd I quit? Verse 14. Let me back up to 13. Having forgiven all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it 
out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Jump down to verse 20. Therefore, everybody say therefore. If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Listen to me. When you subject yourself to regulations and you don't know who you are and who you belong to, you still see yourself as a sinner and that's why the religious world sees themselves as sinners. We're not sinners. Now, Pastor Farley, you're going to make somebody mad. Well, good. Good. Because it'll be a righteous mad if they understand and believe that they're forgiven of getting mad. Reading on. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value to the indulgence of the flesh. Look at me and listen. It's not about the rules. The rules can't make you righteous. Do you know what God's really after when he's wanting us perfect? God wants to replicate his love in us. Listen to me. God's not trying to get you to heaven. He's trying to get his love manifested on planet earth. And the way he wants to manifest his love is through you and I. But we think we're like the first Adam. We don't see ourselves like Jesus. We see ourselves in the flesh. We don't see who we are that God has made us into. We are new creation in Christ Jesus. We have been born again by the Spirit of God. More scripture. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, or 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. Again, just reading you the Bible, and I want you to hear what the Bible says about what I'm saying. I'm talking about the righteousness of God. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected. Here's this word, perfected in us. How? If we love one another. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, 
God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Verse 17, love has been. Now those of you that are English teachers, if it has been, what does that mean? That means it is. It's already done. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness. That word is confidence. Confidence, boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we. Look at me. So are we where? Why do you say when we get to heaven we'll be like him when the Bible says in this world? That's what the Bible says, in this world. Watch this, verse 18, there is no fear in love but perfect love that we have. We have perfect love that we have casts out fear because fear has torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Listen to me. When God's love is perfected in us, we lose fear. You know, I, I see Christians say, Pastor Farley, aren't you so afraid that you could think a wrong thought or say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing and you would die or the Lord would come before you had a chance to make that right and you might go to hell? I ain't the least bit afraid of that. Why? I'm trusting Jesus. Well, you know, you just, no, you don't understand the righteousness of God. You're still depending on your righteousness and that you get it right. How could you get saved and get in this by grace through faith, not of yourself? And then how do you have to maintain it by yourself? That's crazy. That's ridiculous. I have lost the fear of judgment. I have lost the fear of God. I'm not saying I don't reverence God and respect God, but I'm not afraid of God. Why? Because my elder brother Jesus has taken me into the presence of Almighty God and he walks with me and he talks with me and he speaks with me. I can talk to him all the time. 1 Peter chapter 1, watch this. 1 Peter 1 verse 22 says this. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Listen to me. When I've been teaching in the last few weeks, I'm saying when you get born again, you are born from above. 
Heaven comes inside of you. You receive the incorruptible word of God. When I read the word of God, this is the incorruptible word of God. Mark 4 talks about a sower sowing the seed and the seed is the word of God and the place that he sows the seed of the word of God is in our hearts. What I'm trying to do today is plant God's word in your heart that you understand that you have inside your heart this very moment the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and if I have the righteousness of God because of Jesus in my heart I have been born again and God's seed has come into us and it is incorruptible seed help me Lord can I tell you something God's confidence is not in you for you being righteousness his confidence is in his Seed. How many of you have ever seen on a sidewalk or a parking lot where the wind blows and seeds get in the crack of the concrete or the asphalt and you look in that hole and you don't even see the dirt. But that weed, that grass will grow. I have seen grass literally take over asphalt parking lots and you know what that seed will do? It will tear up that asphalt and break it up. If it goes unattended, it will grow and grow and grow. I have seen grass lift concrete up off the ground. Have you? Huh? Listen. God's confidence is not in you. It's in the incorruptible seed that he has placed on the inside of you and that seed is going to grow and grow and grow. Let me give you a personal testimony. You know, listen to me. I was, first place I ever went as a baby was to church. When I was two weeks old, I went to church the first time. Went to church my whole life. Till I got a car and started driving. You can count on one hand how many times I missed church my whole life. When I got a job at the store, I kept asking, can I work on Sundays? Well, it was kind of easy to get the job on Sundays because everybody else didn't want to go, but I didn't want to go to church. And I'd say, I got to work. That's okay. You can go Sunday night or Wednesday night. Listen, my parents got this because it didn't matter where I went or what I did. I didn't want to be like all of the people I had grown up around as Christians, but I couldn't shake it. It didn't matter where I went, what I did. There was something working on the inside of me called the incorruptible seed of God because my parents had planted God's word in my heart. One day I looked at mom and dad and I said, I think I want to go to Bible school. 
My mom said, when did you get saved? I said, well, Mom, I've been saved every week. You know, we preached backsliding and I practiced it, but I'd still get saved over and over. But listen, the faith that God has is not you. It's the seed and the Word of God that He has placed in your heart. Now, just let me try to say this this way. How many of us here know the difference between looking at and seeing through. See, some people just look at people's behaviors and make a judgment of them and they don't see through and realize that's really not how that person is. My daddy looked at me and he said, I knew in your heart you couldn't get away from God. He wasn't looking at my behavior. He was seeing through my behavior to see that there was something working on the inside of me that was called the incorruptible seed or word of God. Some people, all they do is look at what you do. Others see through. Scripture tells us, I don't want to get sidetracked on this, but you're not supposed to judge anybody after the flesh, after they come into the family of God and after they're born again. You're not supposed to look at them. You're supposed to see through what's on the inside of them. That's what we're supposed to do. That's another sermon another time. But some look at and some see through. Some look at behavior. Others see through to the person. I know some people who are watching me right now that you are so focused on your behavior and what you do that you don't know what a good person you really are. You don't really know what's going on on the inside of your heart. You're always doing this thing. I intended to do better, but I didn't do it. I intended to say this, but I couldn't say it. I intended to be, be, be more than I'm, I'm being, but, but I couldn't do it. And we got to see through to the real person you are. So here's my question. Where is our confidence for salvation. My confidence for salvation is not in me. I've got to see past my behavior, past all of the events of my life to the seed and realize God's seed, God's word is alive inside of me and I should be saying live, seed, live. Look at this in 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse 20. Watch this. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, see, right there is where most people stop. And they say, we get what we've got because we do his commandments and we live right. I live right, I pray, and I get what I ask for because I do it right. You talk to a lot of Christians, they, they tell you what they did and how they get their prayers answered. But the problem is you don't need to stop reading at that verse. Let's read the next, next verse. What are his commandments? And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. 
Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he abides in him. And by this we know that we, he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. I want you to notice clearly right there in verse 23, how do I keep his commandments? Here's how you keep his commandments. Believe in Jesus Christ and love one another. Believe and love. Believe and love. What are you believing in? I'm believing in the righteousness of God. Listen to me, guys. I couldn't save me by my actions. How can I keep me saved by my actions if I couldn't get saved by my actions? All I can do is believe that what Jesus did, he did for me and as me. For by grace you have been saved through faith and it's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So, to all of you who are listening, what are his commandments? Well, you know, the Bible talks about the Ten Commandments. Yeah, in the Old Testament it talks, but he says all of the commandments were fulfilled in Jesus and his commandments are simply this. Believe and love one another. I'm gonna tell you, it takes some faith to love some of you. Yeah. And you get out in the world and there's a lot of them out there, it's gonna take a lot of faith. But we're supposed to believe. Why don't we start believing we can love one another? I'm going to tell you, as long as you're looking at what people do, you're not going to love them. But when you can see through to the person they are on the inside, how many of us cry out when we realize we've said something or done something, we'll cry, I wish somebody really knew my heart. I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean to say it that way. I didn't mean to do it that way. I didn't mean to hurt anybody. I didn't mean to harm anybody. Because you know who you really are on the inside. Romans 13. Romans 13, verse 10, says this. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. No harm to a neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. My last verse of scripture today comes from 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So here it is, guys. I have the righteousness of God that came through Jesus Christ. I believe that what Jesus did for me at Calvary and in the resurrection and taking his blood to the throne room of the Father was sufficiently satisfy all my sins and therefore I believe I am righteous. I believe I am perfect in Christ. And I believe that I belong to God 
And because I believe I belong to God and you believe you belong to God, we need to love one another. And if we believe and belong, then the next step is behave. Well, how are you supposed to behave? He who says he abides in him ought to walk just as he walked. I'm not trying to behave to go to heaven. See, everybody says, well, you know, you, you grace people, you righteous people, you, you, you're living in lawlessness. No, I'm not living in lawlessness. I have a greater law working in me than you do because I'm trying to live like Jesus lived. I'm trying to walk in the footsteps of my elder brother. I'm trying to live and behave like the one I belong to. If I believe and behave, if my brother healed the sick, I ought to be healing the sick. If my brother encouraged and gave, I ought to be encouraging and giving. We're under a different law. Abiding in him affects behavior. Abiding, listen to me. The reason my behavior changes is because I am in an intimate relationship with the Father and He's touching my life continually. There's incorruptible seed working in me and I am the righteousness of God. Do you know how long this is going to be working? Until Christ is formed in us. See, it's really not about going to heaven it's about Christ being formed in you. You have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. And that's why I'm righteous. So that I can live like, act like, behave like he wants me to behave. Let's pray. Father, I believe I belong to you. I believe that salvation is not keeping a list of rules, but salvation is walking with you and talking with you and living with you and abiding in you and loving with your love like it's supposed to be. So Lord, I ask you to help me today to live as you live and love as you love. Help me, Father, I pray, and help everyone under the sound of our voice in Jesus' name we pray, amen.